0: welcome to the Psycho Media Podcast. I am Timothy Swan, and the question of the week is, where's Ben? Well, I heard he was hijacking a steam train and coming to visit me on the perilous railways. Really? I heard he was taking up dry slope skiing in preparation for the Qatar Winter Olympics. No. I heard he was involved in an incident at the lab involving an exploding monkey. Surely not, I heard he was invited to take up the Culture Secretary after his work on the media part of Psychomedia. You're all wrong. I heard he was developing a strategic alliance with the Marauding Badgers, in return for their promise to annex London. Welcome to the show. This week's theme is Rumours. I'll explain why later, but before we get on to the topic, actual factual feedback It's not hearsay, it's what people have actually properly said, um, well uh, with some biased reinterpretation of course from myself. So uh, first from Kieran via the Twitter, uh, he says, of course correlation does not imply causation. I wish that Psychomedia would put that song on YouTube so I could use it in just these situations. I don't actually know what situation it is because I did not stalk Kieran's Twitter. Sorry Kieran, I'm not stalkery enough. It turns out, who'd have thought it? That is a turn up for the books uh, in my mind. Um, but um, the answer is that it's on the music page that is an mp3 link, on the music page that you can link if you want to prove someone's wrong in a way involving a recorder, which is you know, the best way to prove someone wrong extra bonus humiliating um uh, y- yes uh, the other thing from kieran was recommending the show to someone i like psychomedia for just the right mix of scholastic rigor and crazy whimsy about why your brain is very odd indeed well hopefully i will continue to be rigorous today in the absence of ben uh barring the fact that have had a lot of different accounts come in on where he is and what he's actually doing I think I'll just throw them all at you and let you decide what's occurring Uh, also had some feedback from uh Lizzie um a friend from church so she told me this face-to-face I do get face-to-face feedback sometimes I do see some people face-to-face in real life on some rare occasions uh so essentially the point was that she liked the show she enjoyed the last episode And was impressed, especially given my introversion, at the openness of the show. Expressed some surprise at the whole manscaping thing. That was all really me. I guess, you know, oftentimes it is going to be me with the high levels of openness and disclosure. And then asking Ben awkward questions and hoping that he answers. Um, But also, like me, uh, for at least part of the female body hair bit, uh, Lizzie assumed that we were talking about pubic hair. Um... I'm not going to try and address what mine or Ben's attitudes towards that particular topic are, because I think that would be quite awkward. Uh, and also we don't have the research. I mean I could check Google Scholar right now, but do you really want the sound of an angry train? I think, I think that one does. Let's, let's angry train it over to Google Scholar, uh, psychology pubic hair, it can't be any worse. Okay yes it can. Um, uh, it's all about puberty, so we'll ignore that. Um, and, uh, the other thing that actually we uh, talked about with Lizzie, read the show, uh, was about Yeah, being performative in friendships, and also male-male friendships, which, like the USB cables, useful in some contexts. And it might actually be a topic we should return to, gender differences in social relationships. I have this feeling we tried to cover it before, and no one has properly looked at homosociality and heterosociality. Um, I think that was the conclusion that we found last time. But there is something about male-male friendships that I think is worth investigating, trouble is, science might not be able to back that up. Ah, so. Continuing question of, where's Ben? Well, I heard he was exiled to the old spice mines of Vincent Cassell. Really? I heard he was taking cupcakes to all his bear friends in northern Canada. No, I heard he was trying to graffiti the Voynich manuscript. Surely not. I heard he was recording a podcast that would be encased in silver and nickel and played only at the Pitt Rivers Museum. You're all wrong. I heard he entered the world of cartoon mechanics. So, what move? What has occurred in the last fortnight to me? This would include media bits. Uh, It will. Don't worry. The show will live up to its name in at least two of the three aspects on a bi-weekly basis. uh, Or a fortnightly basis, if you have a useful measurement of time like the fortnight. Uh, So... Yeah, uh, this week I did not spend much time at all ruminating on what it means to turn 25. Uh, I certainly didn't check off all the things I hadn't achieved or compare myself to, say, my parents or my colleagues. Uh, But here's the solution to that. If you have similar worries and it doesn't have to be age 25, it could be 30, which is an actual significant milestone, or it could be 21, or it could be, you know, 70. Uh, The solution, turn 25. I mean, turn whichever age you're going to be you'll feel about one percent more mature and you won't mind about those things anymore um and i did actually have a fun couple of days celebrating it eating good food with good friends and watching captain america so i'm quite fascinated uh, by what i would describe as people's avengers matrix uh i.e which avenger of the six assembled film ones they find the most attractive which one they find the most similar to themselves uh which one they would most like to be hulk iron man captain america if you were wondering uh, the Winter Soldier has uh, a lot more emotional punch than a lot of the Marvel movies. Um, and I was a huge fan of the first Avenger. I think that was my first, uh, my top film of the first phase, uh, my favourite. Um, and I won't talk about the emotional punch of The Winter Soldier, in case you haven't seen it and you intend to. Uh, I'll simply say it's nice to see Ma- Maria Hill doing more. I want her to have the kind of jetpack and rocket launchers and whatever that it seems she had when I first looked her up where I'm like, Kobe Smulders has been cast as Maria Hill. Um, because all of my comic book knowledge is just kind of gleaned from Wikipedia and podcasts and very rarely from actually reading comics. Um, and also I suppose I should mention Read The Winter Soldier. I don't really care for Black Widow. In this film, every bit of characterization between her and Hawkeye is sort of not at all mentioned, and she has this constantly annoying smug tone, which you kind of don't really notice in The Avengers if it was there, but given she's in this movie more... I can't actually say I've seen a Scarlett Johansson film that I've liked it in, barring possibly Vicky Cristina Barcelona, I had forgotten that was her. Uh, that film is all about Rebecca Hall for me. Uh, actually, I got in trouble recently with a friend, I may have mentioned this on a previous show, I couldn't quite remember, that uh, Rebecca Hall's performance in uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona was a revelation, uh, because I didn't realise a woman could play Woody Allen the way she does. Which I didn't mean because women are in some way poorer actors, but that it seemed like this uniquely beta male personality. Uh, not that beta males are a thing or oh, so I keep telling myself um, so yes it just wouldn't be the show without Tim's strident media opinions uh, a lot of those media opinions are about uh, universally recognised as attractive person isn't attractive to me um, I was playing a game of Heads Up yesterday um, get the uh, like free version Heads Up Charades I may create some Psychomedia exclusive sets uh, for you to play and link them in the show notes um, <laughs> and, uh, apart from shouting Peaches Geldorf by accident to the clue recently died of a heroin overdose engaged in something of an argument that Megan Fox simply isn't good looking and stressing the importance of looking like a human in my reckoning of attractive people I mean, I know I have, like, a certain uh, attraction archetype, as I think many of us do, but, like top of that list that you know, has to be for anyone, let alone the kind of maybe normal preferential characteristics, is looks like a human being, and, uh the theme of these particular women is they don't. They do not look like people, and thus, you know, I'm, I'm not an interspeciesist. Anyway, while I could have spoken about the Uncanny Valley, perhaps, or male social relationships, re-beta versus alpha and homo versus heterosociality, it was another thing uh, that provoked my thoughts on what to do for this episode. On Friday, the night of my birthday, I went for dinner with a friend. It turns out it's not always easy to book dinner for two at a nice Italian restaurant without people getting the wrong implications. Uh, The uh, waitress one who took my call when I was making the reservation said, "And, and is it a special occasion? And I said, well, it's my birthday. She says, oh right, that's a sort of a special occasion. I was like, look, I'm not going to propose this dinner with a friend. And I think because I'd really stressed, I'm having dinner for me and a friend. Can I have a table for me and a friend? Um... I think even even this random stranger was shipping me and my friend more than me and her would ever, anyway. Um, part of the problem with that implications may be both of us being quite deliberately ambiguous with other people for comedic purposes. For example, on April Fool's Day, me convincing someone else for about five minutes that it was a date. Uh, anyway, um, as as we were heading out, we uh, met a colleague and we explained that we were going to dinner together. Uh, and uh, the next day or the day after in work the misadventures of said colleague came up in conversation and I said, oh yes, I saw him on Friday the reply came, yes, he said that he saw you going out to dinner with the implication that he'd had some comments on that but as his misadventures were more amusing that stayed the topic of conversation which made me wonder, as it's not really a topic that's happened to me too much in the past how do rumours work? I mean, I'm sure there's no real rumours about myself and my good friend, but the hospital I work in is an absolute hornet's nest of buzzing, blooming confusion, a more efficient rumour mill than those developed in the Industrial Revolution. So, you know, it's not impossible that some flagrant rumour now exists. And I'm sure that in all our lives, rumours play some part. Certainly, uh, I've heard a lot of stuff about you, listener. I've also heard a lot of stuff about Ben. Here are a few more of where is Ben? Well... I heard Ben was making a personal trip to take a selfie with every single listener of the show. Really? I heard he was doing the additional dialogue recordings for flashback scenes of Ned Stark in the new Game of Thrones. No, I heard he was transmogrified into a narwhal. Oh, surely not. I heard he was admitted into the Elite Pun Academy. You're all wrong. I heard he had to talk Tom Jones down from a BBC hostage situation. So, study one. Rosnow in 1980, gives a good overview of the topic of rumours, almost as good as that provided by Buckingham, Nix, McVee, McVeigh and Fleetwood, 1977, and is writing to review the standing accepted theory of Allpart and Postman from 1947. Allpart, of course, is a huge figure in social psychology. He taught Stanley Milgram, he met Freud, he emphasised for the first time context on personality, he worked on prejudice, he studied with the Gestalt School, Postman just got involved because it's, it's quite a good job to pick up on rumours, you know, reading postcards and frequently being in people's gardens. And so they defined rumour as a specific topical belief passed on without secure standards of evidence, usually by word of mouth. Rosnow takes issues with parts of this. Firstly, that the press contributes tonnes to rumours. I mean, nowadays I suppose we could add the chain email or the Facebook message. If only there was a Snopes for the press. Admittedly, the amount of work with the Daily Mail alone would be an enormous endeavour, but I'm sure we could get some people in from Europe to do that. He also suggests that rumours being topical and specific is not necessarily true, as there are cyclical rumours that seem to persist beyond topicality, though one might argue that's the point at which they become an urban legend. Rosnow himself uses Young's term for such things, a visionary rumour. As a phrase I st- might start using when discussing like, the alligators in New York sewers. I mean, those kind of examples of what he's bringing up here, UFOs. UFOs are not especially topical, but they are stories that are spread around without ever having any evidence. So, why do people spread rumours? Theorists of many stripes seem to think it's emotion, that it can provide catharsis or that it can provide an emotional buffer. For example, early studies following natural disasters found rumours spread of far worse disasters to come. The idea is that this prepares people emotionally for when bad things do happen, because hearing about coming floods will make those floods seem that little less wet. Uh, Another key factor suggested in motivating rumours is the need for closure. Allport suggested that when a rumour is retold, it will become shorter, more concise and more easily grasped. don't think about that particular phrase, it's too much. Uh, anyway, to show this, uh, they essentially had participants play Chinese Whispers. I believe I've talked about it on the show. I think I now do favour Broken Telephone as a suitable name for it, rather than just Telephone. Uh, there is, according to the All Knowledge Wikipedia, a version called Rumours, where you're supposed to slightly change the message. Um, I'm not quite sure how you win. Then again, I'm not sure quite how you win Chinese Whispers, but still... It's, it's more it's more like a moral lesson in the form of a children's game it's kind of like you don't get that in many other children's games you know like pass the parcel what do you learn about pass the parcel you learn that receiving material rewards is essentially arbitrary and not based on any work that you put in or talent that you have or inherent human social worth um, <laughs> and also that if it's someone's parents controlling the system then they're going to get the favourable outcomes <laughs> Boom! Leftists past the parcel satire. Um, similarly, m- musical chairs, that in a world of dwindling resources, it's going to be the people who act the most aggressively and decisively who get to sit on the one remaining island when the seat. Anyway, I could do a whole show explaining how children's games are all political metaphors, but I'm not going to, because that's not what we're here for. As much as you might have heard otherwise, can't trust those sources. Um, so rumors chinese whispers the message it does change it has some kind of element of cognitive reorganization uh, which both sharpens and levels the message so it highlights interesting bits and it removes boring or unfamiliar bits uh rosnow believes that this can either shorten or elaborate on the rumour, whereas Allport and Postman saw it as a more unitary process towards a sort of complete form. You know, oh, did you hear about so-and-so losing their baby and they're just so poor, condensing to, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. Incidentally, that first appeared uh, 30 years after Hemingsway's death as being attributed to him. The story itself was first published, although not in that form, when he was about 11. Uh, so, it both kind of predates and postdates it, uh, which is interesting. Uh, still worth trying to write a six word story. One that I wrote once is, uh, Another War May Yet Still Come. Uh, I quite like that one. Uh, of course, I do. It was one of mine. Uh, Rosno instead suggests uh, there are a number of factors that lead a rumour to mutate, the X gene, unfortunately, not being one of them. For one thing, Each person who passes on a rumour will have a positive, negative, or neutral, critical opinion of it. And it will be influenced by the memory of the person who next hears it. And it will have emotional motivators, which it's really hard to study in the lab. I mean, unless your office is secretly uh, a lab project, which it might be. Didn't quite come off the timing of that, did it? I'll try it again. Unless your office is secretly a lab project, which it might be... I, I, I don't know which version you prefer, the kind of hysterical or the ill-timed. Um, also, the hysterical or the ill-timed. The story of my life. Um, in terms of motivation, uh, Allport and Postman basically put it down to two factors. Personal importance and the ambiguity of the facts of the matter. If both are high the rumour is strong. Of course, this has never been empirically proven, and yet people keep talking about it. High ambiguity on the matter of whether high ambiguity is a factor in rumours. A more naturalistic experiment was done by Back et al in 1950 to look at personal importance. Now, this clearly came before ethics boards, uh, because what they did was, in a work environment, planted a number of rumours over the course of four months. Two of these were very important to the group and were spread quickly. Another was very important to the group, but it seemed to be almost taboo to talk about it. So, importance alone cannot affect transmission. I I do wonder if they did any debriefing, or if they just bailed on this company that they poisoned with lies. Similarly, while an anti-bad news bias has been found, negative rumours do spread fast too. And so Rosnow suggests that this is an emotional balance struck by any rumourmonger, uh, between the badness of bad news and the anxiety of holding on to it which is related to the personal relevance. Anxiety has been uh, found to be important again in more naturalistic studies than Port and Postman uh, with groups with higher trait anxiety found to spread rumours more quickly than those with lower trait anxiety. Sources also matter but this might be contextual. Uh, a study involving a rumour about a student caught smoking marijuana was more spread if it came from a peer than a professor. When the rumour was challenged by another confederate, it was less spread. I guess to test this, they should have compared it with a rumour about exam marking or something. Of course, the most spread rumours are rumours about butter. So, uh, what is uh, Rojnau's... I, I I actually don't know how to pronounce the name. It could be Rojnau, Rojnau, uh, um the ambiguity of unusual names, Uh, so if I just say them all that's not racist I guess, Uh, on what really uh, motivates rumours. Basically, two factor model, an emotional factor and a cognitive factor. The emotional factor is a presence of wants or needs related to an anxiety provoking situation, that future events are feared to have negative outcomes. And the cognitive factor is uncertainty and doubt. On the basis of future events being unpredictable. So the goal is to reduce anxiety and uncertainty by having suggestions for future action, cognitive closure, receiving more factual information and feedback, or indeed receiving general social comparison. People with high trait anxiety and high need for closure are more likely to transmit rumours, so state and trait variations of the cognitive and the emotional factors have an impact. Rosnow argues that we didn't just get this all figured out in the 40s and we need more research to test the theories that are based on what evidence does exist. So, we'll actually look at an experimental study next, after we explore some more rumours of, where's Ben? Well, I heard he became the sole claimant to the Oaken throne. Really? I heard he started a rap battle with the falling in love with Aubrey Plaza social democratic movement on Jimmy Fallon. No, I heard he got lost in the very depths of Wikipedia. Oh, surely not, I heard his hand is a dolphin. You're all wrong, I heard he was making a pilgrimage to Gothenburg. So, Manaf et al, 2013, are a little less nitpicking and a little more poetic than Rajnau. Uh Rumours are like dusts, they are everywhere in spite of our social spheres. Uh, they're from Malaysia, they're interested in a non-Western perspective on rumours. Uh, which I think is called Tusk. Oh, come on. Come on, you've got to give me that one. That is a really good joke. <laughs> incredibly obscure. It's not incredibly obscure. Rumours and Tusk solved very well. I don't know if Tusk can be described as non I've never listened to the album Tusk. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Why don't I tell you what's going on? Uh, first problem. Very hard to get a good definition of a rumour. Uh, for example, between rumours and gossip, and what just what is word of mouth, you know, this slightly inaccurate, but still quite accurate, method of transmission. Second problem, scientists are not quick to respond. They often find rumours as they lay dying, saying, avenge me. Uh, and indeed, the official responses to rumours, if science can be considered part of the establishment, uh, is to be the people holding the axe, rather than asking the question of why this rumour came about. So, they want to look at the cause of rumours, especially in organisations, and what they have the potential to do. Spoiler warning, the latter question will not be answered. I was tempted to throw in a Game of Thrones spoiler there, but I wouldn't be that mean. And also, I've forgotten all of them, because I read the books quite a while ago now. Um, But when I went to illegally download the first episode of Season 4, someone had helpfully, as the number one comment on this torrent, put all of the remaining major spoilers, or many of them, you know, just, you know, John Covington is not in the show yet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Spoiler one Anyway, so, um, the first point is that rumours are rarely created, barring in the example of political insinuations around election time. Instead, they tend to emerge spontaneously, without ulterior motives. And overhearing is a key element as this. We treat that source as being less biased in than someone in conversation on the topic with us ourselves. I actually hadn't thought of this. It seems really true. Definitely says something about our own paranoia that we don't trust someone in a situation where we should be attending more closely and where we can ask questions and the like. I suppose the question, what do you think about me, is one that is socially awkward and not likely to get a decent answer. So maybe this is a good strategy. I mean, I definitely alter my walking pace when I hear senior members of staff talking loudly in the offices. Additionally, just as the psychology of persuasion is part of the psychology of rumours, so too the psychology of testimony, since whether overheard or stated directly it depends on at least second-hand accounting of some event. So, there are multiple motives for spreading a rumour. Derogation of the outgroup, entertainment, wish fulfilment, alliance-making and maintenance, enforcement of communal norms, each of which may come to a, as a response to that anxiety that was discussed in the last study. If it is wish fulfilment, then it would seem a lot of my colleagues have investment in me dating someone that neither of us have ourselves. Anyway, what about the impact of sceptics? Um, I mean, laughably poor on... Co- no, I mean, uh, for all the sceptics with a K in the audience, uh, <laughs> I find you comical. Um, so, they don't so much stop the rumour dead as create an obstacle, it moves around by adapting... Implausible details are replaced with more plausible ones, and the Rumor makes certain compromises to preserve the key message. It's basically science. (laughs) Uh, It's great to slander an entire, like, method of study in Manga. One theorist, Cap believes that the key theme in all rumours is essentially resistance to modernity. Technology that explodes, foreigners that leech, anything that might challenge one's place in the world is a good source for a rumour. Similarly, perhaps, urban legends take real threats and make them manageable. They reflect real cultural anxieties, for example, fear of harm to children. Uh, so, they use the example in the study here of tainted Halloween treats. So, instead of focusing on child nutrition or automobile risk factors, uh, which need huge cultural shifts to manage but are the real risks at Halloween, instead it's like if you spot this packaging, that means it's been tampered with. You can protect your children from being poisoned. So, this is a huge cultural idea. They don't really explore here because it's hard to study with their sample group and kind of their research goals. But... This theme that there is this external threat that might be like punchable as opposed to kind of traits and tropes, uh, traits and tropes uh, and people in the home and the family that really threaten your kids and your loved ones. It's an interesting bias that I think really does need more study. So within an organisation, there are three main stages of rumour movement, conception, dissemination, conception, dissemination and control. Sorry, I get a bit overexcited too early because in their way they can all sound a bit sexual. Uh, The environment already starts with a network keen to reduce uncertainty and build sociality by engaging with each other in frequent conversation, both professional and personal. Or to put it less theoretically, people in community like to be buddies. So, to study this, they interviewed participants of various ages, working in the civil service or in business, to try and get as much rich information as possible Uh, they found evidence of ambiguity leading to rumors uh, that rumors are a collective effort to resolve ambiguity uh, that they're about resolving anxiety about outgroups often between ethnic Chinese and Malay people in this context and to enhance self-image which is weird because I'm totally into enhancing my self-image I'm pretty sure I've never spread a rumor about myself I'm just keen to hear what rumors there are about me slightly different And so they then suggested what they hinted at earlier, which I think is a really kind of key point. Rumours are memes, in the Dawkins sense. The fit ones survive, the unfit ones die, and adaptation occurs within them to keep them fit. Also, that most of them are Islamophobic. I'm actually surprised that there hasn't been an urban legend about honey on planes summoning swarms of jihadist bees, you know, to be honest by now. Just like, check Lala Ward's Twitter feed. Um, That's all I'm saying. Uh, so this is dependent on the pressure of relevance. Some topics are always relevant, and some on one time or community specific. Uh, they definitely found that lack of evidence was a key part of rumours in their corpus of rumours that they collected from the participants. Uh, another key theme was that rumours are frequently being passed online using Facebook or instant messaging, often whilst one is supposed to be working. So yet rumours seem to be enhanced, especially more deliberate ones, by a sense of frustration. So beware, bosses. Annoying your office workers too much, if you see them typing away both furiously and furiously, they're probably slandering you on Facebook. Their final theoretical idea, therefore, is that rumours and their cyclic patterns are an attempt to make sense of inevitably ambiguous situations through the refining of information and its evolution, which seems mighty inefficient. I mean, friends of mine will know my desire for a monthly truth day where all lies, admissions, and obfuscation are banned and everyone's obligated to ask all the questions they really want to know the answers to. But I think my way, while awkward, is more effective than rumour-monging and gossiping. Uh, Not that that's going to stop me with at least the I'm just curious. I'm curious about people. I'm always curious. Why did I go into psychology? Because I'm essentially curious about people and their secrets. So... This was a bit of a strange article, quite lyrical, quite interesting, seems that maybe there is actually quite a lot of cultural overlap in um, rumours, although one might argue that Malaysia is quite a westernised Asian nation. It be an interesting question to address. Has someone developed a scale of westerliness? Um, but it does remind us that kind of there are cultural factors at work too, this idea that kind of, especially both Malay and Chinese People ethnically in Malaysia do seem to keep hearing or propagating rumours suggesting that the other one is somehow like unfairly favoured by the state. Um, seems to be a key theme that maybe is not emergent, but one could argue that the rumours one hears about, you know, white working class people versus Eastern European working class people in Britain is this similar kind of divide between two culturally coexistent groups. Anyway, um, I will move to the popular. Uh, award-winning conclusion section. But first, some more rumours about where's Ben? Well, I heard he was tire- tirelessly unknitting Azalea Banks' jumpers. Really? I'd heard he'd taken over the co-op bank and sold their shares in crack. No. I heard he was life-coaching the first sloth metal vocalist. Oh, surely not. I heard he was pioneering Redhead's rights in Tibet. You're all wrong. I heard he and Christina were touring the West Coast hip-hop scene in Spain. So, what conclusions can we draw about rumours? Rumours come from anxiety and uncertainty, and they're an attempt to resolve this. Either by evolving a good explanation, or one that's emotionally pleasing, and tap either short-term or long-term relevance. I think that latter part is why rumours about relationships abound. Less so the anxiety, as much as we're all anxious about our relationships, more that sex and romance always has long-term relevance. Otherwise, a lot of the rumours I encounter about the hospital, you know, kind of, or the management decisions, these are the things that will affect our jobs, which obviously is more related to our obvious anxieties. Uh, so there you go, that's, that's rumours solved, right? Um, doesn't really tell us what to do with them. Seek the, seek the factual truths? Not always possible. So, not sure I can give you any practical advice, any media top tips this time around. But what I can suggest you do uh, is contact the show. There's four ways of doing it. Um, technically, I suppose there's five. If you know me and Ben in real life, you can approach us and talk to us about the show. Uh, I suppose if you have our phone numbers, you could text us. I have a Tumblr, uh, so I guess if you put something in my ask box, tetrarchangel.tumblr.com, you could send an anonymous message that way, which would allow you, kind of facilitate you sending a scurrilous rumour. Um, but I will be stunned if anyone does that. But the official means. Twitter, at Tetrarchangel, at Team Psychomedia. Um, Facebook, Facebook.com slash Psychomedia, or just search Psychomedia and like the fan page. Please do like it. Uh, we would love to promote fan discussion on there, or listener discussion, because I think maybe that's a more accurate phrase in this context. Um, email, psychomediapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and of course, the website, psychomedia.wordpress.com. Downloads, pictures, secret buttons, please do... Oh, and a place to comment. If you've got any idea where Ben is, because goodness knows that I do not, uh, please do send in your rumours about where Ben is, uh, any sightings, uh, those sort of things. Do send those in, uh, and we will find out which of you was the most accurate or inaccurate in a comical way next week. Uh, And I will leave you with my last best... uh, probabilities on where Ben is uh, wish you well if you hear any other interesting rumours that you want to talk about do send them in if you want to start some rumours about the show or about us please do let us know what they are Um, until next fortnight uh, as we creep (laughs) like uh, Xenos paradox up on our 100th episode bye bye where's Ben well I heard he was underground somewhere Really? I heard he was disproving the law of diminishing returns. No. I heard he was dogfighting TIE Interceptors with a laser-equipped F-16 in a dream. Surely not. I heard he was adjudicating the proper pronunciation of Tinmonth once and for all. You're all wrong. I heard he was coming up with a series of unlikely scenarios. Whatever it is, we've all heard that it involves a small diamante pig.